stuff going on here as uh, as we said in some previous shows we are uh, rebooting redoing some things doing some remodeling in the area of course um i got a little more than the sniffles <laughs> recently but I, it, it was not the virus it wasn't the virus it was uh i don't know it was real short just uh kind of destroyed my my yesterday morning pretty much that's about it but um i'm good hope most of you are good as well Sunshine and Sassy are here to produce the show as always. Welcome to what will be, only because we are renaming, rebranding very soon, um, one of the last few episodes of Sports Club before we retire the name. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's time to kind of rebrand and, and refocus and do some things. Um, basically what is going to happen is our, um, our other show will be all about professional wrestling and, um, MMA. We'll talk some Bellator, we'll talk some UFC, obviously WWE, AEW, New Japan, Lucha Underground, if they ever put their stuff back together, uh, Women of Wrestling, um, Impact Wrestling, they have been doing some fantastic things lately. I commend their effort uh, very much. I enjoy it, what they're doing, but uh, that's going to that's gonna all be uh, strong style, basically. That's, that's what that's going to be, and that should, the next episode, that should be dropping later this week, if... Um, you know, like I say, my day kick sometimes bleeds into my night one. So, uh, yeah, sometime this week we will definitely be getting that back on track. Um, for now, this is Sports Club. Like I said, I believe this is 39th episode or so of this season. Yeah, when we rebrand, we will start over on season six. So even though it, you know, whatever the new name of the show is, you know, insert name here, it will say 6.1. Yeah, that's when we're going to start the new season. Uh, you know, it's just time to evolve, and uh, we we want to evolve. And basically, what this show is going to uh, encompass is, uh, you know, clearly we will be talking all the big stories across all the sports. Um, we will also, um, if when college football starts up, I have uh, been talking to KSU and Georgia State that uh, you know we have uh, pretty good contact with and connections, and um, you know, they're optimistic, we're optimistic. If, when that season starts, I think it's more when than if, we will definitely be encompassing that here. We will also be talking, uh, Board Check is kind of getting 
um, absorbed into this. So we'll be talking hockey here with uh, no real denomination and no real team that we're going to cover. If, if we're going to talk about the big stories, we're going to talk about the things going on throughout the NHL. We're going to we're going to broadband a lot of these. We're going to really focus more on the bigger stories and uh, not not report on so many teams. Now, of course, if there's things you guys want us to talk about from your favorite team or from another team or something you're just outraged over and want to know what we think, we're right here. Let us know. Uh, all the social media avenues and all the other ways to contact the show are wide open. But there is so much that I want to get into. I have so much written down that I, I wanted to talk about in the last uh, handful of weeks. And I'm going to do my best to get to it. There's a couple things that happened recently that, my goodness, by the time it come across my phone, I was in a building with a very high ceiling, and I swear I jumped high enough to touch the top of it. We're talking probably 20 feet. It, it felt that way. It was just like, holy crap. We're going to get to that in a minute. Because first I want to start with this. Um, I recently, during this little break, I uh, finally watched The Greatest Showman. I'm um, a big Hugh Jackson fan. Uh, I'm actually a Zach Efron fan, too. That, that dude can act. Um, I, I think uh, he has distanced himself enough from from the uh, Disney kind of boy band thing he had going on that, uh, that the dude can act. You can act. But uh, The Greatest Showman about P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum was uh, actually somebody I really admired when I was a kid. I still do to this day. Um, he really understood the art of the cell. He knew he had a good product. He had to get you in the door so that you could see it. Because he could tell you all day long about what was in there, and he could tell you all day long about how great it is, how great it is, how great it is. It's, it's kind of like people who talk about themselves and say how great they are. Well, that's fine. I can say I'm the Queen of England. You can say that uh, you own a space shuttle. But until we physically show or somebody can put their eyes on or see what we're talking about, they don't believe us. Because obviously I'm not the Queen of England, and obviously, unless you're Elon Musk, you probably don't own a space shuttle. Elon, you keep being Elon, all right? You keep being you. But the art of selling is something that's always fascinated me. That's what one of my degrees is in, is, is uh, the marketing and selling aspect. Because every day, I say this on the show a lot, every day, we're trying to sell something to someone else. Either it's a uh, uh, some goods or services that we have, you know, think um, Walmart, Target, your favorite store, whatever, uh, J.C. Penney. Um, I, I don't know where you shop. So your favorite store, they're trying to sell you the items they have in their store. They're now online, um, Amazon, eBay, other, other places. I mean, some of these same box stores have have places. Uh, online where you can uh, get it directly from the warehouse, skip having to go to the store. So the goods and services side of it, or the goods part, the services. These are, you know, um, the um, the exterminator. This is um, the landscaper. Um, you know, they're trying to sell you on a service. Hey, you know what? You need somebody to uh, address your backyard, clean it up a little bit, make it look uh, just awesome and just really pop and make everybody else like, hey, you call the landscaper. Um you have a pipe burst, you call the plumber. He's trying to sell you on his plumbing skills and his expertise on that. So there's goods, there's services, 
And then there are the ideas in people. If I'm trying to sell you on an idea, like, hey, I think it would be a great idea if we go eat um, sushi and drink a glass of wine on Saturday. I'm not talking necessarily a date. It could be you could be talking to your friend, a coworker. You could be talking to a random guy on on the the uh, street. It doesn't matter. You're you're trying to sell them on the idea that they should come hang out with you. They should be with you. And then there's the last thing: when you are selling yourself, you don't just do this when you're trying to get a job. That's one of the biggest ways. But you're trying to not necessarily impress, but you're trying to convince another person that you are as good as you say you are in whatever area you're talking about. You know, like, let's use that date, for example. Go on a date. You're trying to influence the other person to see that you're not a bad person. You're not going to lock them in a trunk. You know, those kinds of things. You're not going to, like, you know, let their dog run away. You're not a bad person. That They should spend the majority of their time with you because you feel you are a good match. Yes, we're not going too deep into that. We're stopping it there. Um, also, you know, trying to convince an employer that they should hire you or that they should uh, maybe renegotiate your deal with them so that maybe you make more money. Maybe you want a couple more days off. Maybe uh, you just want a hat. I don't know. There's all kinds of things. Maybe you want your own parking space. There could be whatever motivation it is, those are the main basic ways of selling. Right now, there are a lot of people in sports that are doing just that. For example, the Patriots signed Cam Newton. The reason why most other teams didn't even want to bother with Cam Newton was because because of the pandemic, they were not able they were not able to work him out. They were not able to see if the shoulder and the ankle, foot, whatever it is, is uh, healed. They were not able to see him throw. I mean, you could do workout videos, and he did a couple of those, but you know what? I can edit any video, and I can only show you the best throw I did all day and, and make it look like I'm a star. Not saying Cam did that, just saying anybody can do that. There's probably a reason why Mike Tyson is only doing 7 to 10 second videos. Just saying. We'll get to that in a minute. I even write that down. We're going to write it down right now. But Cam Newton, Cam Newton is trying to sell pretty much the entire league because this is probably a one-year deal. It's a prove-it deal. He probably will start over Stidham. I'm about 65-70% sure. Even with all the opt-outs, Cam Newton is trying to sell himself that he's still the guy he was and that he's going to continue to be the MVP Cam Newton and not that guy that couldn't stay healthy in the last couple years in Carolina. Because even his former coach, Ron Rivera, at the Washington football team, even he said, had he been able to work out Cam Newton or at least bring him in for a workout and show the rest of the Washington football team franchise what Cam is about, he probably would have grabbed him over the other quarterback because, yeah, Cam Newton can still start and excel in this league. 
But Cam Newton is having, having to do this. He is having to sell everybody on what he can do. We'll, we'll see. The Patriots are, are using Cam as an asset to try to sell the, the rest of the world that, hey, Tom Brady might have left. But we're still rolling. I think the opt-outs may have a little bit more to do with that. But the Patriots and Cam have got to work together to promote each other because, hey, Cam on this one-year prove-it deal, if he proves enough to the Patriots – Maybe they re-sign him. There's so many different scenarios that could play out here. I personally like it. It's going to open up the playbook a little more because Cam is obviously more mobile than Tom Brady. He might still be one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league if he's healthy. Always the big thing. And this is just going to be entertaining, especially in this season that we're not sure how things are going to play out. This... It's going to be, I mean, this, this, speaking of circus, P.T. Barnum would love this. This is, this is, uh, this is main event. This is main ring. Also, somebody who is trying to sell themselves is Alex Smith. Alex Smith has been officially cleared by doctors to resume football activities. Now, the Washington football team as they are now called, because they dropped the derogatory term towards Native Americans and others, have put him on the pup list, the unable to perform list for now. And Ron Rivera has said he would love to activate him and have him in the mix as soon as he gets cleared by the team doctors. Uh, I think he has, he has cleared some of the physical. He has not cleared all of it, but this is fascinating because just a couple years ago, Alex Smith broke his leg in such a way on the field, trying to get away from a, a defense defensive player, broke it in such a way that it is so rare that he had to have multiple surgeries. He got it infected. He, I mean, when I say multiple, I'm not talking two or three. He had like 15 surgeries or something, and that's not even exaggerated. I swear it was more than 10. Almost lost his leg at one point. ESPN partnered with him and did a docu-series on the recovery process. Because, folks, Alex Smith has done nothing but succeed everywhere he went, and yet he keeps getting Wally pipped, basically. The only thing that kept him from getting uh, getting the, the rug pulled out from under him in college when he played for Urban Meyer at Utah, I believe, was the fact he graduated, or at least moved on to the NFL. Moves on to the NFL, does a great job in San Francisco, and then all, along comes this guy named Colin Kaepernick. They end up moving on, keeping Colin Kaepernick. He moves on, plays a handful of great seasons for Andy Reid with the Kansas City Chiefs. And then along comes Patrick Mahomes. And nothing personal, Alex. Patrick gets better. Patrick gets a little better. So he moves on to the Washington franchise where he was doing a bang-up job. Uh, you know, Colt McCoy wasn't beating him out. And then... Breaks his leg, has uh, the ultimate, the fact that he's even walking anymore. I, I, I maybe he just has that that desire to keep playing. But uh, I just I applaud Alex Smith for um, just getting this far. And I do believe, if given the chance, 
there is a good chance that he could be the starter in in Washington D.C. this year, and uh, I, he would be my front runner. And I don't have anything against uh, Dwayne Haskins. I don't have anything against Colt McCoy. I don't have anything against anybody else they might bring in. Um, the guy from Carolina that I can't think of. But Alex Smith has got to sell the team doctors that he is prepared to get back in it again. Uh, the passing of Regis Philbin, uh, that, that one hit me kind of hard. Um, not just, you know, I wasn't just a fan of Regis and Kathy Lee, um, Regis and Kelly, stuff he did on FS1, who wants to be a millionaire. Uh, Regis was just one of those media guys that I always admired and always, always enjoyed anything he did. Um, you know, countdowns, just the ball drop and, you know, New Year's Eve stuff. And all. he was just always high energy. He was always fun. It just, he always made those around him comfortable. And uh, Regis Philbin definitely going to be missed. Um, just all around fantastic guy. And, and like I said, he, he was definitely one of my favorite media guys growing up. Still is now. Um, he's one of the guys who just went out there and just fascinating watch. So, uh, uh, thoughts, prayers, and condolences to the Philbin family. Uh, you are really going to be missed. Um, the Mahomes contract. All right. It's been that long. The Mahomes contract. Um, we all know the numbers by now. We all know the terms. My thoughts on it is for the next two years, Kansas City can load up and pay other people. And after that, it is going to be interesting because the cap more than likely will come down because of the coronavirus. It is uh, definitely going to to uh, it's definitely going to come down a little bit, and it might go back up after that. But it could put some teams in a bind. And uh, I applaud the efforts of Mahomes to uh, I don't know about a ten year deal. I would I would have done five, but uh, this is what he wanted to do. His agent was able to negotiate and work it out. The Chiefs seem to like it. It is pretty team-friendly, but this also gives them the advantage, the, the Brady advantage. Uh, take a little less right now so that we can get the pieces we need and make one win into two or three. Um, in the next 10 years, I, I'd say the Chiefs have a chance at, at one, maybe two more. Uh, I, I could definitely see that. They're, they're a fantastic team. In about a year or so, though, they're going to have to start paying some other people. We will we will see what happens. But they are loaded. So is their division. Uh, the MLS is back, of course. We've been watching the uh, tournament as it unfolds. Uh, Vincent Orlando knocking out LAFC the other night in penalties. That was fun. Uh, Portland continuing to just saw through everybody. And, uh, you know, uh, Nashville and Dallas having to bow out because they had so many positive tests. I think that was the best thing. Uh, or the fact that Atlanta United going 0 for 3, basically, not just in the in the loss column, but in losing all three games. But they scored zero goals. Looked kind of flat. Looked kind of – didn't look tired. Just looked disorganized. Looked like they weren't quite in, in uh, top shape. And that costs – Former head coach Frank DeBoer, his job. They moved on from Frank DeBoer. Um, I like Frank DeBoer. I don't think he ever had the support that Tata Martinez did. 
But um, I do think they're going to try to find the next Tata and they in the process. That means they're going to get a Central or South American um, background coach, where Frank DeBoer was more of the European style. I just uh, it's it's a different team when Joseph Martinez is not on the pitch. It is a uh, it, and it's a different team from the original that won all the games and won the championship the MLS Cup because. A lot of those, you know, you got uh, Almiron, who now plays in the EPL, plays for Newcastle. You got uh, one of my favorites, uh, Gonzalez Perez, who is now uh, down in uh, Central America, I believe. And, um, you know, just a lot of the key pieces moved on to other places. And you kind of lost that nucleus, and they haven't built another nucleus back up. You're trying to plug and play. Uh, they They did just acquire... Um, forgot the guy's name, but he's out of South America, I believe. They're going to start building through there again because they have seem to have a good pipeline. Um, because they're trying to make Adam John and Joseph Martinez, and that is like that is like trying to get Ozzy Smith to hit like Mike Trout. It's just he doesn't have an inning. Just doesn't have an inning. It's, it's not the style that he is. And, it's, and like I said, I hope whoever they do pick, I mean, uh, they did pick already. They picked the um, they picked the the Atlanta United 2 manager, I believe, and promoted him. So we will see how that how that goes goes about. Um, it is a interesting, entertaining uh, thing to do. And it may just be an interim thing and to, to finish out the year. But, um, you know, Atlanta United trying to – they had success early, and I'm glad they did. They were able to bring the cup. Uh, went to a playoff game during that run. That was, that was really cool, really fantastic. And uh, once everything opens back up, I still say that's the best ticket in town. But Frank DeBoer moving on, move the other guy up. We will uh, we'll see what he can do because they are about a month or so away from their next game. So we will see what he does um, in the meantime. Let's see. Already gave you that. Don't want Let's talk about Dak Prescott a minute. And I'm going to take my Cowboys hat off for this because those of you who don't know, I am a Cowboys fan, but I am very good at being neutral. This whole Dak debacle tells me one thing. It tells me that the Cowboys um, are... I would say almost positive that Dak is a bridge and not the castle they're looking for for many years. I think Dak is telling us that um, he's kind of tired of being in this situation and and, and uh, maybe wanting to move on himself. Um, I, I don't outside of a outside of a crazy injury. I don't see any kind of trade or any kind of dumb thing. Like that, but folks, everybody keeps saying, "Well, I can't believe they waited. This is going to get more expensive." Well, now all they can do is franchise tag him. Well, now he's just going to hold out for. Why do you, why do you guys keep thinking that? And and I say that because Jerry Jones paid everybody else but Dak Prescott. Is it because he ran out of money? No, there's money there. For a deal, for a long-term deal, for 
you think uh, the fact that Dak wanted a what a three year deal and they wanted a four, you think that's why they were apart? It wasn't the money, it wasn't that. I think they're not sold on Dak. Um, in case something crazy happens, that's what Andy Dalton is for. I think you will see them go after one of the big quarterbacks next year in the draft and go forward from there. But, folks, they're, they're telling you everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. The Cowboys are uh, using him as a, using Dak as a stopgap. Dak realizes he's a stopgap, and it's probably going to be a very, very ugly divorce after this season. Hopefully it's after the season and not – by the end of it, you know, not in the middle of it. But that's that's what's going on with the, with the Dak Prescott thing. It's Both sides are telling you. Dak, Dak is going to move on, going to free agency at age, what, 28? Good for him. He's a good, solid player. I've never been a big fan, but he, he goes out and gets things done. But you got to think, Mike McCarthy moved in. Mike McCarthy doesn't need Dak Prescott to keep his job, to be successful. Dak Prescott needed Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett needed Dak Prescott. Now that 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 duo is broken up a little bit, Dak is going to have to do everything he can to prove he should be the guy going forward. And there's a little window there. We will see how long that window stays open. Uh, the Knicks hire Tom Thib- uh, Thibodeau, former assistant there. Um, they're trying their best. To, I mean, they can't attract free agents at this point. You can draft and draft and draft, but as soon as the contracts are coming up, they're all bolting. The ones that can get their agents to move on, they're getting traded. The problem in, for the New York Knicks is their owner. It is 100% their owner. And he's either got to take his hands out of everything and let the right people run everything. They got a decent GM. Thibodeau can, can work them into shape. He is a, a player coach. They very much will buy into his system if you give them the opportunity. But, I mean, it really don't matter who you hire as the coach or GM or anything like that until you straighten out the owner. I hope they do. It was nice when I was a kid that the Knicks were relevant, but they're not now. And like I said, it's, it's, you think Atlanta has problems attracting people as free agents for some reason. That one baffles me. The fact that the Knicks can't get big free agents that's pretty easy to figure out. Um, let's see. I gotta say, I've been watching some of the WNBA, mainly the Atlanta games, because uh, I, I I just wasn't very familiar with the team. I'm very familiar with what's going on with the owner situation. The fact that they need a new one. Um, you know, they remember Shaq and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they need somebody to come in who is more level-headed and can um, uh, kind of clean up the riffraff and at the same time push this franchise forward. Because, hey, I, I watch, I've watched a little bit of, since they've been in the bubble. And, yeah, their hotel conditions might be kind of uh, iffy. Kind of, it's it's ridiculous, actually. But at the same time, when they play on the court, hey, I like the way Atlanta play. They they play solidly as a team. They've got some uh, they've got some shooters. Uh, the game I saw them in, they just got outshot in the end. They were I think down ten with about five minutes to go, and the other team just got hot from the three point line. And you you just can't do anything about that. It's like trying to outrun Usain Bolt, and he remembers he was jogging. You know things happen. 
But I like, I mean, the Atlanta Dream, um, uh, the Liberty, all, all the, uh, the Fever. I think the Fever was who they were playing. I enjoyed the game. Because I, I enjoyed basketball, and it's like, oh, well, it's good fundamental basketball. No, 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 no. No, these ladies can play. They can play. They can 100% play. For all you people who think, oh, the WNBA is just a throwaway league, and, and uh, oh, they're just held up by, by uh, NBA money and all that, uh, not, no, not necessarily. And uh, I, I implore you guys that if you think you can do better, Go for it. I don't think you'll be able to. I don't think you'll be able to do better than these ladies. They they can flat out play. They are the best of the best in the world. Yeah, there's other leagues, other places, but you know it's it's. I understand a lot of people want to know why why their conditions. Let's go into this. Why they're, the condition at the hotel, some of them um, had bug problems, uh, maybe mice problems, things like that. Here is what was explained to me. I think it's a little bit of a cop-out, but also get it. Um, when the NBA players go into their bubble, uh, sure, they're staying at some, some higher-end accommodations. The reason why the WNBA, this is how it was described to me. The reason why the WNBA is not at the the four seasons, basically that the high end ones that they're more in the middle of the pack, is because a lot of them are mothers and brought their families down, and room wise, they had to go to the other hotels. I don't know why the higher hotels can't accommodate families for some reason. They do when everybody goes see Mickey Mouse, so. Not real sure on that, but uh, we could definitely do better for these ladies. They're, they're professional athletes. They're out there grinding just like all the rest of us. And uh, like I just mentioned, a lot of them are mothers. And uh, I wouldn't want my mother staying in that kind of condition. I don't I don't care if she's a, uh, if, if she's a WNBA player or not. And um, I, I think it's it's ridiculous. But um, I'm, I'm behind the WNBA. And uh, I hopefully when this opens up, I had I had planned on going to see an Atlanta uh, dream game because I've always wanted to, never seemed to uh, make it work schedule-wise. But like I said, these girls can play. I plan on watching more games. And uh, Atlanta's got a good product. I'm, I'm behind it. You guys should be too. Uh, I talked about the Washington football team. That's what they're going to be known as now because it gives them more time to determine uh, more time to determine w- what direction they want to go. Ron Rivera said anywhere between 12 to 18 months or something like that. It's uh, within the next year they'll be able to have the new brand up and everything like that. We'll see where they go. It's uh, just uh, going to be entertaining to this point to see what direction they go. There's been a bunch of stuff out there, and then we also heard that there's some lawyer guy or, or somebody else that – has uh, basically trademarked a lot of the names that they were initially uh, in the running of picking. So they are either trying to get them away from him or uh, go a different direction. But uh, we will see what they are going to do. And then, of course, we will see how that impacts the Braves and Indians, who are pretty much the last two 
real big names like that 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 could potentially change. I feel like Cleveland will. I feel like Atlanta's not going to at the moment. Um, let's see. I heard them described this way earlier today in uh, something I was I was listening to. So I will I will go for it again, or I will say it. Um, the Power Five college football divisions um, conferences are a lot like the five major uh, mafia families that that were running. Uh, New York and, and uh, Chicago and all those, in that they hold probably 75-80% of the power. At some point, I could see the Power Five conferences leaving the NCAA and doing their own thing, and the NCAA would be everybody else. I, I could see that. But at this point, we have heard what the Pac, Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever, say that we're releasing the schedule very, very soon, which I believe they will. We've heard the ACC say we're going to go all ACC with the potential to do one crossover game somewhere along the lines. I think they're leaving that open so that we could get Georgia-Georgia Tech. We could get Kentucky versus Louisville. We could get South Carolina-Clemson, FSU-Florida, those kinds of things. And then the SEC countered that with we're playing all SEC um, 10 games, all SEC, and uh, we're not playing anybody else in any other conference. We'll see if that's negotiated in later. But um, I, I don't know that the Big Ten is going to play. I know Rutgers is having issues because the outbreak has been really big in their area. Um, and if the Big Ten did play, maybe teams like that wouldn't be a part of it, which would be very weird. But at the same time, uh, waiting on the Big Ten and uh, and uh, we'll see how the Power Five react because so far it looks like business as usual. Like I said, I have, I have talked to Georgia State and I have talked to Kennesaw. They are working on plans and backup plans, contingency plans and the like. And as soon as I know them, I will relay those to you guys. Like I said, I'm in constant contact with them to uh, see what's going on with those. But at the current moment, they're working on plans, nothing they want to make public yet, which is very smart in my opinion. It's uh, until you have your ducks in a row, don't start waddling across the street. Uh, Jamal Adams trade to Seattle. This is easy. Jamal Adams doesn't like Adam Gase. A lot of people don't like Adam Gase. Preferably people that play for the Miami Pro Team. So he voices his his uh, displeasure. He talks about how bad the GM is, Joe Douglas, which is not correct. Joe Douglas is actually a pretty solid GM. Um, the owner, they got weird chaos up above that but Douglas is doing a good job he realizes that um, they're not at a place to win now so they got two number ones and a number three and a starter for Jamal Adams and like a pick Uh, that's basically highway robbery that's a go back to the five power families uh that's the deal of a century. And Seattle, what do they get? Well, Seattle realizes they need help stopping the San Francisco run game. And how do you do that? You get Jamal Adams. And you also tell Jamal Adams that, hey, at least twice a year, George Kittle is your new shadow, or you are his shadow. 
And if George Kittle is not catching the ball, you are stopping those running backs out of the backfield. They know how it's going. They know how it's going to go. They, they, Seattle is probably the second or third most talented team in their division. And they know that you have to take out San Francisco to make it. And so, you know, they did Clowney last year. They might, they might bring him back. They always do these big, splashy signings instead of helping Russell Wilson. Seattle is a lot like Green Bay West. They have a just all-world quarterback who they put the weight of the game on in the fourth quarter to go, hey, we tried to keep it close, now go win it. But they're doing it with minimal weapons. They don't surround them with anything. They don't help the offensive line. Um, it just I, I don't get it. You're putting way too much on one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league in Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers the same way there. So, sure, bring in somebody to help the back end of the defense. Say hey, that that's gonna that's gonna help a lot of things. But uh, Russell Wilson needs people to throw to. He needs running backs that can play the entire season. He lost like four in two weeks last year. It's just insane. Uh, let's see what. Oh. While we're talking hockey, I've uh, been watching some of the, the bubble action and all that. Uh, some teams are, are really using their momentum and uh, and uh, doing well. And other teams look like they're just ready to go back home. So as that plays out, we'll talk more on it. But Seattle, the Seattle franchise finally gave us a super cool logo, the super cool colors, and they are going to call themselves the Seattle Kraken. For people who don't know what a Kraken is, it is a mystical um, folklore character where it is basically a uh, kind of giant octopus, be the best way to put it. Um, for people who read um, the Odyssey with Odysseus coming home from the Trojan War, I'm not trying to seem super smart. Figured a lot of people have read the Iliad and the Odyssey. Um, he runs into one of those along his journey uh, in the water. It uh, very much capsizes his boat, really wreaks havoc. But yeah, like a giant octopus type thing is is what a uh, kraken is. It's a very fascinating creature, really. And I I love it. I love the uh, the logo pops. There's so much. If, if you go the Vegas Golden Knights route of doing a elaborate pregame show, I think the... I got so many good ideas for what the uh, Kraken could represent, the things you could do to uh, really enhance it, really make the experience just fantastic. And like I said, I I like that particular name. I, I think Seattle Kraken works. They're going to be super popular at the gate like Vegas was. Let's uh, hope they could build a team that can get the job done. And at least they can't. We should all buy a shirt or a hat because they're, they're pretty wicked sick. Um, I wanted to go through which bubble is working and which one needs improvement. Well, I think the NBA has it figured out. They have had like what one or two positive tests in like a month, and they're starting to play in everything now. Um, I give the WNBA credit. They are doing very well, and they are also getting the uh, social media and um, other messages, not social media, social justice messages pushed out and presented in a, uh, a very clean way. Uh, it's, it's very admirable. So NBA, WNBA doing fantastic. The NHL, they are, uh, the East 
side is in Toronto. The west side is in Edmonton, and it is working. Saw at least a third to a half of about four different games yesterday. I like how they have the fans on the screen. I like how they uh, uh, wrap the seats, and uh, the, the players seem to, to be okay. Um, so NBA, fine. WNBA, doing fine. NHL, doing good. We know what that leaves. Uh, the MLS, actually, you know, uh, the MLS is the, having their MLS's back tournament. They're not having any real big issues, no big outbreaks. So they figured it out. And then we go to the people who decided, no, we don't want to do a bubble because we think we're the NFL. And that would be Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball. Um, they, they figure, well, we're still going to go. And I like the idea that the East is playing the East, AL versus NL. And, uh, you know, you play your division, then you play the division in the other side. I, I'm okay with that. It limits travel. It's mostly up and down. But if you can't police your players any better than you did with the Marlins, because the way the Marlins outbreak supposedly happened was when they were in Atlanta, a good a good handful of the players went out that night, all as a group to some club or some, who knows what they did. Could have went to a restaurant, could have went to a gas station. It doesn't matter. That's probably what started the whole thing to where now we have um, parts of, what, the Phillies, parts of um, the Braves, um, a lot of the Cardinals, about half or better of the Marlins, who have all experienced some sort of coronavirus issue. And it's because they can't police their players. Yeah, I don't care if they're young, old, skinny, chunky, it doesn't matter. You've been in the league a long time, you've been in the league two seconds, you've got to know better than to decide you're going to go out and potentially risk shutting the whole thing down because I honestly think if it continues on the path they're on, baseball's done. Baseball could easily be done this year because of how dumb one franchise was. And I think they should be held accountable that they started this whole thing in motion. And baseball also should be held accountable that they didn't step in and stop this when they could have. When the first outbreak happened, you take those guys, you move them to the side. But no, they they let the Marlins decide. They let the Marlins captain of the team, who is like the shortstop, let him decide for the team if he thought it was best if they played at, uh, the day after uh, a handful of them got infected. And he said, sure, we should be fine. Because, you know, he's a medical expert. Not. Not at all. He is not qualified to make that decision. And baseball didn't step in. The Marlins didn't step in. So you get what you get, baseball. You know that? You get what you get. Last two topics. There's, I had to skip a few because uh, they're irrelevant now. These two happened recently. I talked about Mike Tyson earlier. Mike Tyson, I believe, is going to take on Roy Jones Jr. Could have that wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's going to take him on. It's going to be, I believe, a eight-round, three-minute round type ordeal. I have heard they are not going to hit each other in the head. I don't think they're going to wear headgear. Um, I guess it's just going to be body shots, but 
I don't know. They they may they may uh, go against that because it, it would definitely benefit both of them to uh, uh, kind of actually box. But uh, Tyson's back. Roy Jones Jr.'s back. Let's uh let's get it on, as they would say. And then finally, the thing that I told you that when it come across my phone, I almost nearly jumped up 20 feet and touched the ceiling of the building I was in. Somebody bought the NFL today. And that, he partnered up with a, I think a Redford investment or something like that. I believe it was $15 million. Dwayne The Rock Johnson now owns the XFL. I was excited. I was super excited. I've seen what he's done with the Titan Games, which is currently on right now. I've seen what he's done with his other ventures and, and the way he goes about it. I mean, he could easily be on Shark Tank because uh, put Shaq and Alex Rodriguez and all these other guys. He very much knows business, and he knows how to make money, and he knows what investments are worthwhile and which ones are not because he has options here. He can run the XFL and make it this great super league or feeder league like it was going to be, or, and, you know, he keep it for forever. Or he can build it up to the giant that it could be and sell it for a hundred times his money. That's, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good investment either way because he knows how to make things work and he can easily call Vince McMahon. He can easily call Triple H. He can easily call the WWE in general and say, hey, what worked for you guys? What didn't work? Where did you see this thing going? I want to take it there. He could easily pick their brain because you think they're going to refuse Dwayne Johnson's call? No, thank you. He's gonna, they're 100% going to pick up that call. Hello, Vince. Hello, Hunter. Or Paul, if you want to call him that. Uh, there's a Dwayne Johnson online, too. Yeah, try not to trip over the desk picking the phone up. He knows how to do business. And the rock buying the XFL is fantastic. We will now see what's going to happen with that. I think he's going to gear up, and I think it's going to start next spring, would be my guess. We're going to hear more about it. But the rock buying the XFL might be one of the best things to happen to the XFL outside of um, them rebooting it last year. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in to another great edition. We'll probably call this one uh, What's Cracking? Why not? That sounds pretty appropriate, right? What's Cracking? Thanks for tuning in to another great edition of Sports Club. Like I said, not many not many more of these before we rebrand, we name everything. Uh, might even take a consensus vote of you guys because we've thrown some ideas around. You guys can come up. We definitely appreciate it. But, uh, yeah. Strong South should be coming later this week, but I am Jeremy the Impact Lord. Thanks for tuning in to another great Disney of Sports Club. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, deuces. Baby Wobble, 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 Baby Wobble,